Hello and welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. Today we are continuing the God of Miracles series. Good morning, family. How are you? Are you ready to hear from God this morning? You know, preaching is a hard business. Imagine being a cook and uh, you walk into the restaurant one day and you got like five, six, seven, eight hundred people and you can only prepare one thing for every person and everybody got their own taste and they like it this way and they like it that way and it's hard to please everyone when you preach. But I tell you, um, when you're cooking, there's one kind of person that you can always please and that is a person who is extremely hungry. And today, I don't know if I'm your preference, if I'm your cup of tea, if you're mad right now because I'm not Tim, I don't know. You might be happy, but no matter what your preference and your taste is, I believe today that if you are hungry, you will walk away with a word that fills your soul. So today, we're going to go straight to the word. I just want to say I'm thankful for our pastors. I'm thankful for Tim and Juliet. I'm thankful. I can't stop saying it enough. I'm thankful for our leaders. I'm thankful for our worship team that helps prepare and set the atmosphere every week for us to receive the word. I'm grateful Elgin is back. I'm grateful for Devante. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the two preachers that went before me in this miracle series. The first week, I think he was a little better looking, but they were both great. First one was my husband, so don't get weird. Um, But... If you missed the first two weeks, you can go back and listen. We're in the series of God of Miracles. And I hope today that if you've come looking for a miracle, that you would stop looking for a miracle and just look for God. For the God of miracles. We're going to start to look for God by looking into his word. He sent his word and he healed their disease. And I believe that the presence of God is powerful, but I also believe that sometimes God can just send out a word. And as I'm speaking the word, healing is taking place in marriages, in lives. I think yokes are being destroyed under the anointing even of the word. So if you are hungry and expect that, then let's just go to the scriptures when we start off in Psalm 77, some vague, some vague details. We, we don't know exactly who wrote this, um, an Asaph or an Asaphite, which is one of his crew. Um, we don't know if it was him. We don't know exactly what scenario he is facing, but we know this. If you read the first nine verses, he is in a very bad place. He's despondent. He is questioning God feeling forsaken by God and wondering where he is. We don't know exactly what he stands in need of, but we know that his need is great, so great you can feel it in the text. And something happens. He goes from questioning God to suddenly the shift, and he says, but to this I will appeal, the years of the Most High, the right hand of the Most High God. And then he says this, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. And then it says in in the next verse, you are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. I love this passage right here for several reasons. The first of all is because 
We find this man who is in need of a response from God, and he feels like he's not getting a response. And so the antidote to him is to stop um, talking and questioning God and to start talking to himself and start reminding himself of stuff God has done, even though it's not stuff God has done for him personally. He starts to look back and says, but I'm going to remember, I'm going to think about, I'm going to go back. And there's one particular miracle that he focuses in on, even though he was not even alive when it happened. He says, I want to go back and I want to remember how he made a way. (laughs) And he parted a sea. And even though they could not see his footsteps, he was leading them across. So today, I believe there's people in this room that stand in the same place as the psalmist. You stand in need of God, facing something and questioning God. And today is that shift where God wants to do what he did to the psalmist, which make you stop just questioning God and start talking to yourself and remembering the deeds of the Lord. Today, specifically, we're going to remember we are going to literally relive this miracle of God. My title for the message, my assignment from heaven today is to preach from the topic, the middle of a miracle. The middle of a miracle. Let me set the scene. Most of you church people know this. Some of you who just got done with the club and brush your teeth don't know this maybe, and that's fine. We're all going to learn together today in this place. And what happens is the children of Israel... They have been in bondage. All they have never ever known is oppression and slavery. It's all, it's all they've known. And one day out of the blue, God sends a man named Moses to say, Hey, God said that he wants to deliver you from this oppression and to set you free. So long story short, this guy named Moses goes to Pharaoh, the king who's holding them hostage. And, um, and, and, and the guy's like, kind of like going back and forth. Okay, they can go. No, they can't. They can go, no, they can't, because God keeps sending ten plagues and things to destroy the land. And so finally, after the tenth plague, he goes, you know what? Just get out of here. Just take you, all your people, take whatever you want and just leave. So now after a lifetime of oppression, they are on their way out of Egypt. They have gone and left Egypt. They are now on a new journey and they are experiencing a miracle that they never expected, that they didn't see coming. And all of a sudden they went from oppression and they're celebrating and it's great and everything is going great. It's about two or three million people following one guy with a stutter and no mic. And he's talking about he heard from God. And he's telling you to follow him. And so far, God's backed this dude up. So you're like, all right, 10 plagues. He let us go. I'll follow you. And now they're in the wilderness, and it seems like everything is going great. They've finally been delivered. And suddenly, they run into something called the Red Sea. It's a water that they can't cross. And they start going, why did you bring us here to die? We couldn't die back there. And then they look up. And they see, after they think it's already done and they've finally been delivered, they see Pharaoh and his army have changed their minds, all the way changed their mind. They're coming after them with a vengeance. Here comes all their chariots and horses, all their, their, their weapons, all their men. They've got anger in their eyes, and they are coming after them. And they look up, and this is what they see when we come on to the, um, to the text. Exodus chapter 14. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. And there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, 
Was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? (laughs) Did we say to you back there, leave us alone and let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, don't be afraid. (laughs) I love that he just, he's like, I get where you're coming from, but look, look, don't be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Verse 19. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. And throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other, so neither went near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind, and he turned it into dry land, and the waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. And during the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against us, Egypt. And then the Lord said to Moses, now stretch out your hand back over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots, horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. And that day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead. On the seashore. That is gangster. (laughs) They saw them dead on the seashore. One of the greatest miracles of all time recorded. I mean, got movies about it and everything. And as soon as we read through this story so quickly, we see the Red Sea part and immediately we celebrate because we know the end. We're like, yes, God did it. It was a sea. He parted it. But I want us to slow down, hold up a second, and put yourself in the dust of that seashore today. I want you to see it. I want you to be them. I want you to feel their heart racing inside of you. I want you to feel the terror. I want you to feel and smell the atmosphere in that moment because what we see is a suddenly happen. Suddenly, and they're standing in need of a miracle. And many people who need miracles know that that happens suddenly. Oftentimes, everything is going great. And then one phone call, one doctor's visit, one note left on a table. And suddenly, you stand yourself. You find yourself standing in front of something that seems absolutely uncrossable. And they are not just facing an uncrossable body of water. But now, they are trapped. They are absolutely trapped between one way to die and another way to die. What do you do when your past wants you back? Do you think for a minute, what if I can just go back and negotiate with them? And I want to tell someone today that when your past wants you back, don't you think for a second that it won't kill you? And you've got to decide which way do I want to die? 
I do I want to die going back or going forward? So here they are, and they're trapped, and they're chased, and they're powerless, and they're out of options. They have memories flashing back of all the cruelty and the things they've seen these people do. And they say, if they did it to us back then, how much more are they going to do to us now? They're going to make me watch as they torture my children before they kill me. What are they going to do to us in the fear? And it feels like you have no options. And God is speaking to Moses, but he ain't saying nothing to you. God's talking to your pastor, but he ain't saying squat to you. And you need a miracle, and all you see is this crazy guy with a stutter and no mic holding up his hand over the sea, and suddenly a strong east wind comes, a storm comes, and starts to blow the waters back and back and back till suddenly there is a path, but don't celebrate now, because if you're them... What do you do when you're facing a path that is so long you cannot see the other side? And it seems like a miracle, yes. But we see, we just left Egypt and we saw God strike dead the firstborn of every house. What if he's mad at us and he really just brought us out here to trap us? What if I get halfway over and that water becomes my grave. What if I don't know what's on the other side? I know how to live back there. I know how to live and what's familiar, but I don't know what's over there. I don't know if I'm prepared. Can you imagine the fear and the terror? It's like, you go first. No, you go first. And there's two or three million people. It's chaotic. And they're like going like this, two or three million people. You first. You faster anyway. You just get about, get about three miles over and tell us it's safe. Feel it out. We're going to see what happens to you. Somebody got to be Jonah and go first. Somebody's got to get thrown up. Let's find out. There's all this chaos because this road, this path would take hours to cross. And so here they stand. And finally one person is like, man, I don't know, but I know this. I'm not going back to them. And God didn't speak to me. But if this guy says, God said that I'm going to stake my life on the possibility that what God says is enough to take me across. You guys can stay here on the shore, but I'm going on your mark, get set, go. And somebody had to go first. And somebody, I kind of think it was a woman that was like, you know what? Forget all this. I'm just, no. Going back to them. Part of me thinks it was a child (laughs) who had the faith to just go, but did you not hear him say God said? Somebody had to go first, and at a certain point, two or three million people decide to put their faith in a God they did not hear speak, but they saw act on their behalf and believe if he started it back there, uh, won't he finish it? Won't he finish it? And so here they go. And this is not like the parade that you've imagined. This is more like um, Black Friday (laughs) pre-COVID. Two or three million people. Because here they are. They are, remember, they're being chased by a cruel, evil enemy. They're being chased. It's got to take hours to cross. And I want you to imagine this whole scene because it was a bunch of just, it was two or three, it was a whole nation of people. Two or three million people. Some of them at the point time when God delivers them are sick. Some of them are injured. You have elderly. You have pregnant people. You have people who can't walk. Two, three million people carrying people who can't walk. 
holding on to the elderly, people with injuries limping across the Red Sea for hours, limping and someone having to carry them. Be like, I want to get across, but let me help you across. You've got kids that you're trying to pull from running out into the waves because they think this is really cool. You've got so many scenarios. And you're trying to get across the other side, and oh yeah, you've got scores of oxen and livestock with you. Oh yeah, you were baking bread, didn't finish, you brought the bread dough with you, it says. They got bread dough they're carrying, and oh yeah, they've got the bones of Joseph. They've got the plunder and everything they took. Two, three million people being chased, and they're going across, and they're trying, and people are falling and getting trampled. I mean, I just, can you imagine the chaos? Can you imagine the fear? I need, I need to get to the other side, but this is not a sprint. This is going to take hours. I've got to pace myself. I've got to make it, and I can't get injured, and I can't get trampled, and I've got to keep my kids, and I've got to bring everybody over. But what if any minute now this water could crash back over me? And now with that in mind, I want you to pause the scene. I want you to see the wind, the strong east wind that's blowing. I want you to see the terror and the fear as they keep looking over their shoulder. And I want you to know this. I think we can all agree that right now, this is, in their mind, the worst day of their life. They can hear still the sounds of the wailing of Egyptians who all woke up to their firstborn son dead. It's the craziest moment of their life in their mind. But in reality, where they're standing now is in the middle of a miracle. Right now, and I came to tell someone today, miracles never feel like miracles in the middle. When you're standing in the middle of a miracle, you feel like an Egyptian, an Israelite being chased by an Egyptian, walls of water around you, tripping and falling. You feel afraid. It feels like chaos. It feels like I don't know if I can make it to the other side. I mean, I can keep going for a little while, but I don't know how much longer. And it feels like a mess because miracles are messy in the middle. Red Seas feel a lot different to read through than to walk through. We don't ever call miracles miracles till the end. In the middle, we call it a diagnosis. In the middle, we call it divorce papers. In the middle, we call it bankruptcy. And it's not until the end when we look back that we call a miracle, but miracles are in the middle when you cannot even feel it. I wanna, I wanna help you understand what it feels like in the middle. According to the text, it says this. Here, here's how God parted the waters. He sent a strong east wind. And sometimes you're praying for a miracle and what you get is a storm. And a miracle in the middle feels like walking against the wind. I don't know if you ever walked through a real windstorm. I don't know, I have, and it's not easy. But when you're in the middle, the wind that is blowing everywhere is blowing up their garments and uncovering them. It's blowing away things they're having to chase after. It's blowing against the steps they're trying to take, and it's frustrating them, and it's disorienting them, and it's tossing them around. It's causing them to lose their balance and hardly be able to stand. But in the middle of a miracle, when they needed a miracle, what they got 
was a storm because the same wind that was blowing back the waters was blowing them around. So they were walking against the wind. In the middle of a miracle, it feels like walking against a wind. And I came to tell you, if you prayed for a miracle and you got a storm, it could just be that the same wind that is tossing you around and disorienting you and throwing the ground is also the same wind that is making a way out of no way, that is writing a story that you won't know until the end. Verse 19 to 20 also paints the most stunning picture of what it feels like in the middle. It says the angel of God withdraws from the place in front of them and goes behind them. So now they're facing the fear of a long journey, an enemy that's chasing them, an uncrossable river, and all of this chaos, and then God moves out of your sight. And oftentimes in the middle, it feels like God has withdrawn like, how could you move out of my sight now? Like, when I need you the most, you're nowhere to be found. The cloud, the, the pillar of fire, it's all gone behind you, out of your sight. Every symbol of God's presence in the middle, it is hard to see God. It is hard to find God, and it feels like he has withdrawn. I remember being in the middle and you might have heard my husband tell the story of the miracle a couple, couple weeks ago, and he told you about the end, but I want to tell you about the middle. I, rem middle. I remember in the middle of grieving on foreign soil with no one to help us through it, grieving a miscarriage in ways that I cannot explain, that I actually felt embarrassed that I hurt so bad. And then we're trying to conceive, and nothing's happening and I had been praying so many times, God, you know I want to be a mom. I want, give me a child. And one day I decided to change my prayer. And I took a walk and I said, God, I'm tired of telling you what you already know. I want to be a mom, yeah. Do I, do I want to be a mom? Yes. But God, what I want more, the only thing I want more than to be a mom is to be a woman of faith. So I give you permission to write the story that you want to write. And I left it in God's hands. And I would like to tell you that God responded to that amazing prayer by opening my wound. But what happened next, my womb, but what happened next was I found myself sitting in a parking lot of a fertility expert feeling like I could not breathe, shocked that he had just looked me in my face when I expected him to say, it's all good, just be patient, you're fine. And he said to me, I'm sorry, I'm an expert in fertility, but even I can't do anything to help you. And the only thing that could have happened is for you and your husband to meet sooner. There's nothing that we can do. You have the eggs of a 50-year-old, and your ovaries aren't even working. And I sat in that car and I never knew that you could feel such agony and numbness all at the same time. And I sat there feeling like God had withdrawn and I couldn't see him in the middle. I could not see him in my ability to, 
my inability to gather myself and, and, and collect myself. I couldn't breathe. I needed a miracle, but what I got was a storm. I got a wind that blew my whole life around and upside down. I got a storm. I got a wind that left me feeling disoriented, like I had nothing to stand on or to lean on. What I got was a storm that punched me in the gut, but little did I know that same wind that blew my life around was blowing back waters and making and creating a path so not only I would receive a miracle, but people all over this world would find faith to believe God for a miracle just two weeks later. Could have never told me. In that moment, in the middle, you could have never told me, but just two weeks later, I was laying in my bed. Two weeks later, five years ago this weekend, I was laying in my bed, and our doctor, a Christian doctor, called us at 11.30 at night, and he said I had been clicking refresh on this screen all night, just waiting, and I couldn't let you go another night without telling you that God, I can confirm that God has done it, that there is life in your womb, that you are right now with child. During those weeks when we were fighting to believe God, it was Psalm 77, those first verses I read, that we meditated on day and night. We said, to this I will appeal, I will recall the deeds of the Lord. He made a way when it seemed like his footsteps could not be seen. And it was those verses that built up our faith to believe and receive the miracle God had. But I want to tell you this, just like uh, me, the Israelites felt like God had withdrawn And this is what the Holy Spirit revealed to me this week. He went and he left their presence, but he he said, I went behind their back. I went behind their back, and I I want you to know what's happening oftentimes in the middle is God is going behind your back. And he said, you know what, I'm not having to ask your permission. I don't have to give give you details because I am God. And if you want a God big enough to perform the supernatural, he can't be small enough to have to answer to you and explain himself what he's doing, how he's doing it, if he's going to do it or not. But God went behind their back, and I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that the times that God has gone behind my back. And he'd done miracles, and they thought he had left. But what he was doing was he was standing between the enemy and them, and he was pushing back the darkness, and he was holding back the enemy. But he went behind their back. He said, you want to get to them? Pass through me. They couldn't see it because they were in the middle. And that is why the psalmist in the beginning finds hope when he's in the middle by saying, I'm going to remember what it looked like when a bunch of people were in the middle and it felt like God disappeared and all they got was a storm and they needed a miracle and they just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And to me, I see these people crossing and we've heard their whole story and the last thing I would call them is people of faith. They're scared. They're cowards, they're everything else. But then Hebrews 11 has the audacity to tell me by faith the Israelites cross. Because sometimes God sees faith in us when we don't see it ourselves. Faith is not the absence of the fear. It is the direction in which fear pushes you. And if you let fear push you forward, God says, I call that faith. Faith to put one foot in front of the other and they finally get to the other side and they look back and they see the dead bodies and when I tell you there was a party on that shore side (laughs) 20 verses 
it is the next chapter is first 20 verses of just of just completely a song and they're dancing and they're partying and they're so happy and, and Psalm 106 sums it up like this it says he rebuked the sea and it dried up he led them through the depths as though through a desert then they believed his promise then they believed his promise and sang his praise when the miracle was over they believed his promise and sang his praise because you cannot help sing God's praise when he does a miracle but the next verse is one of the scariest verses I have ever read in all my life that has arrested my heart and it says this but they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold how how do you forget how does God do something so godlike and you just just forget how do you go from singing his praise to to forgetting and it's actually easier than you think because if you want to forget a song you just stop singing it because forgetting is accidental you want to make an appointment and forget it just do nothing don't write it down don't put it in your calendar don't try to forget it just do nothing but remembering is intentional they forgot because they forgot to remember how do you go from singing his praise to forgetting now you fast forward a couple decades a few decades and the children of Israel most of those ones are dead and gone and the people here who are are about to cross into the promised land most of them weren't even born or maybe in their mother's stomach when they crossed the Red Sea and now these decades later they're facing another body of water called the Jordan and the Jordan River represents the final boundary between them and the promised land this is it once we get over this one we are finally there and God again does the miraculous and the worship team is coming now and, and, and God does the miraculous again and he parts the Jordan River but then he goes hold up hold up hold up this time we can do something a little bit different because that whole you forgetting me stuff yeah I'm not having that no we're not doing that again I'm gonna have you get over there and think that it's you that gave you the power to get wealth when, when I bless you no we're not doing that because we're gonna cross over again but this time I'm gonna do it a little different he tells the priests first when you touch the ground priests the water's gonna part and then I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant and I want you to stand in the middle of the Jordan I want you to stand there with my presence until every last person has crossed I want you to stand in the middle Joshua chapter 4 he says this as well choose 12 men from among the people and one from each tribe and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan from right where the priests are standing and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight so Joshua called together the men he had appointed 
And he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. And each one of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask, What do these stones mean? You tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And Joshua set up at Gilgal 12 stones that he had taken from the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, In the future, not just your children, but when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? You tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea, and he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. God was saying this, I'm going to do a miracle, but this is my warning. Let me help you with one thing. You're not going to forget me. Don't forget about me this time. So let me help you remember. Let me help you build something that will remind you every time you look at it. That will make people question and make you talk about it so much. I'm going to give you a melody in your soul that you cannot stop singing. Because you better never forget the words to this song. I want to ask you with all humility today as the keys begin to play. um, How many miracles have you forgotten? Have, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten what it felt like to lie in that hospital bed and wonder if you would ever make it out? Have you forgotten when you got that phone call to get here quickly and you thought you might leave without your child? Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten when your child's fever was spiking higher and higher and higher and suddenly it broke and you don't know it happened but all of a sudden it broke and you could finally breathe again? Have you forgotten that you grew up without a father but you somehow learned to become a man? Have you forgotten that you were abused and abandoned but you somehow you learned to trust again? Have you forgotten that nobody ever showed you any affection but somehow you learned how to love your children and how to love your spouse. Have you forgotten that nobody else made it out of your hometown, but you're here? Have you forgotten? You shouldn't have had that job. You didn't deserve it. Have you forgotten the stuff you did? He could have exposed, but he didn't, and he covered you. Woo! And he gave you a chance. Have you forgotten the secrets he never told? that it would have taken everything from you. Have you forgotten? Came today to talk to some people who are in the middle. And I came to tell you, by faith, I dare you to grab a stone. I tell you today, if you're standing in the middle, you feel like God has withdrawn, like he has moved behind your back. I came to tell you that you're right, that God has gone behind your back, and he has gone behind your back, and he's doing stuff he don't have to ask your permission to do, and he's doing stuff that he don't have to stop and explain to you. He's gone behind your back.
back. And you better be thankful he went behind your back, but you better stop in the middle of the Jordan and recognize the presence of God that is in the middle of the Jordan and kneel down and grab a stone big enough to throw on your shoulder and march it to the other side and every step be a step of faith because we walk by faith and not by sight. And I can't see to the other side, but this stone is my faith. I'm taking a stone from the Jordan and when I get to the other side, I'm going to build something that my children will ask me about. You ask my daughter, what's the story of your life? And she'll tell you. The doctor said, mommy can't have no babies. But Jesus said. And I can never, and I can never forget and I can never stop talking about. I could never forget. How could I forget that moment? How could I forget that moment? When I heard her cry, and I started to cry louder than hers, and I didn't care who was in the room, and I didn't care about these doctors, and I just started to say, thank you, Jesus, you did it. And my husband went to her, and I'm saying, Jesus, you did it. You did it. And I, I could never forget the first words when they laid her on my chest. And the first thing I said to her was, you have a covenant with God. I could never forget. Because I look around my whole life and I see stones. And I want you to know today, the enemy has been trying to take me out since my birth. But I have been gathering stones from the Jordan. He tried to take me out with spinal meningitis, viral, bacterial, at the same time, staph infection, told my mom to go home. She was torturing herself. She should go home and plan my funeral. And they told her to leave and grieve, but she stayed and prayed, and God did a miracle. He tried to take me out, but I gathered a stone. He tried to take me out with lupus, but Jesus healed me, and it is untraceable, and I just gathered a stone. He tried... He tried to take me out with a threat of cancer and no one was there to walk me through it but Jesus. And they did that surgery and there was no cancer and I just gathered a stone and he, and he brought me through that. He brought me through infertility and the enemy tried to take me out with infertility and he tried to take me out with insecurity and he tried to take me out with self-hatred and with eating disorders and I just gathered a stone and he tried to take me out with shame and offense and sin and he has been trying to take me out since the moment I stepped foot on this earth but I have been gathering stones from the Jordan because today I come to you and I feel I feel like David I feel like David on the battlefield staring down giants down and today I didn't come with a sermon I came with a stone I came today not with a sermon I came with a stone and I'm staring down every Goliath in this room and saying how dare you defy the armies of the living God who is this uncircumcised Philistine who is this sickness who is this infertility who is this disease I come not with a sermon but I came to throw a stone at giants that you have not believed could fall and in the authority of Jesus name I thank God for every stone I thank God for every sickness I brought, brought through because today I'm ready aim 
fire. You haven't had the faith to believe it. But God sent me here with a stone. Who is? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this mental health disorder to taunt the living God's people? Who is this depression? Who is this suicide that you would try to taunt the armies of the living God? Who is this sorrow? Who is this loneliness? Who is this bitterness? Who is this infertility? You come at me with a diagnosis. You come at me with torment. You come at me with pain. You come at me with doubt. But I come to you in the name of the living God and declare that this day giants fall. I want to encourage somebody today. Get a stone. You gather a stone because somebody else is believing God for a Goliath that they don't have the faith to fight. And it will be your stone that helps that giant fall today tell you God can do it you might be in the middle and today I will remember the deeds of the Lord that when they could not see his footsteps he was still leading them if you need a miracle all over this place stand to your feet Anything different today. Because you're going to fight for this thing. I'm giving you five minutes of worship to find a stone to rise up. It's impossible, and we're standing here only because you made up. You got five minutes. In the middle, right now, I'm giving you five minutes to find a stone, to start singing the song that you stopped singing. And by the Spirit of God, I pray you're going to remember every word. There's a movie that's about to take place in some people's minds, reliving everything you have forgotten that God did. Right now, I want you to close your eyes. You need a miracle. You don't need somebody to lay hands on you. And and, and as much as you might need healing, what you really need is God to open your eyes, to see that you're not alone, to see that you don't have to fight for yourself today. Right now, I'm giving you five minutes of worship. Thank you for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Irving. If you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text embassycity, all one word, to 77977. We pray you had a great week. Thanks for listening today.